Welcome to Moving the Needle, casual conversations about ways, big and small, to impact student learning. Brought to you by the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. I'm Erin Hager. Let's move the needle. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Moving the Needle. I'd like to invite you to think back to that transitional time when you were just on the cusp of finishing your dissertation and starting to think about that next step in your career, your first faculty role. How did you see yourself as a scholar and an educator? How were you shaped by the influential faculty members on your path? How did you want to carry those lessons and experiences forward to the students you would later teach, mentor, and advise? Today, we're joined by Vashtai Adams, a PhD student in the School of Social Work, who is at exactly that point in her academic career. Vashtai received her Master's of Social Work degree from Columbia University, and she is now in her fourth year at UMB. Already an accomplished scholar, Vashtai recently defended her dissertation proposal, a study that looks at how Black women perceived non-diet approaches to health promotion. She has served as a graduate teaching assistant, supporting a course in the new online Master's of Social Work program. In this conversation, Vashtai reflects on her academic journey, the influential faculty members she's encountered along the way, the difference between a teacher and a mentor, and what she's looking for next in her career. Vashtai, welcome to Moving the Needle. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. Well, why don't we dive in just by having you tell us a bit about your academic journey. Where are you right now? And, uh, and tell us about your path. I am a fourth-year doctoral student in the School of Social Work, and I've been in social work for all of my time in higher education, but I've done a lot of different things in that time. So I started out actually wanting to study journalism as an undergraduate, and I picked a school that didn't have a journalism major. So I found myself in need of actually finding a major you know, to do at my time there, and my advisor suggested social welfare because it matched with some of the classes that I had taken and some things that I was interested in. But at the time, I didn't realize that social welfare was social work. I thought it was just caring for society, and that's something that interested me. When I became an upper division student, I realized that social welfare did mean social work, but I already was hooked. Like I was interested in social work as a profession, so I decided to stick it out. Um, at the end of my undergraduate years, I decided to apply for graduate school in social work because I wanted to do work on like the school to prison pipeline and racial disparities in um, school discipline, and I thought that social work would be a good discipline for that. So I go to a social work graduate program, and there I think, well, actually, I might really like counseling because my internship was a clinical position. So I'm getting that experience, and I think that counseling might be it for me. And later I realized that counseling is not it for me, and I didn't really love actually providing therapy, but I really did like being in social work. At the same time, I was starting to learn more about what social science and like social work research looks like. I had personal interests in diet culture and weight stigma and disordered eating and things around that nature. So I decided that my next move would be to stay in social work, but to pursue a PhD so I could do more of that research side of things. I could stay in the field that I love, but do something that was a little bit more appealing to me, which is kind of this more academic kind of work. Yeah. And now that you are in the spot that that you're in now, you know, kind of in the dissertation stage, where do you see yourself taking that social work career next? I am interested in a tenure track position, a place where I really can pursue my research interests, get more experience in teaching and shaping this next generation of social workers, and also teaching outside of social work too. I'm really interested in seeing how my work can influence other healthcare-related disciplines like nursing, medicine, and things like that. 
So right now you really have your foot kind of straddling the border between being a student yourself, more on the independent side of your research, um, and preparing to enter academia as a faculty member. Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe we, we could talk a little bit about your experience um, as a student, sort of thinking now with all the experience you have under your belt, about the, the types of faculty members, the types of teaching styles that you noticed across your, your academic career uh, resonating with you. What, what do you remember about your undergraduate and your early graduate school days, uh, about the faculty members you had and the approaches they took? Um, When I think about kind of impactful experiences and things that stood out to me, I think about really faculty who put the principles that they're teaching us into action and are really examples of the types of social workers that they're teaching us to be. And so one particular example, I was in a graduate class on social work advocacy, and we were talking about like, what is social workers role? What's our role as a discipline and as individual social workers in disrupting healthcare disparities based on race? And in this conversation, some of the students were really struggling to grasp this idea that some of the impacts we see are because of racism and because of these racial disparities in healthcare access, the types of treatment that people get, et cetera. And so because some students were struggling, a lot of the students of color started to speak up and share their personal experiences with having gone through the healthcare system, with the disparities in the different access that their family members have had and the disparate treatment that they'd experienced. And still, some of the students were really not grasping that this was as big as a problem as it was. And so it just became a situation where students were sharing very personal experiences that meant a lot to them. And other students were just really pushing back kind of in a detached way from this personal conversation. And so what the professor had did was he stepped in and actually put a pause on the conversation and redirected us back to what the topic was. We went back out of the personal, back into the readings back into um, just the lecture material to kind of take a break from what we were talking about. And that's to me represented the principle of advocacy because there was this dynamic that was happening in the classroom where students were not feeling heard. They were sharing their personal experiences. And that's something that unfortunately does happen to students of color is having to educate and not kind of receive the benefit of that education, having to teach people what racism is and how it shows up. And that can really take a toll on you. And so this professor stepped in to say, you know, this was something he was witnessing. He disrupted that system and the dynamics that he that he witnessed. And we reset back on the class. Then after the class, he sent us all an email saying um, that this was kind of a heavy class. He saw that it was getting personal. If anybody needed to utilize the office hour space to you know, process what was going on, he would be happy to do so. And so that really just showed me an example of like what it can look like to advocate, even when no one was really asking you to. It was in the moment. It wasn't that somebody had reached out after class to say, you know, this was heavy for me. He was witnessing something that could have been problematic and stepped in to take care of it right away. So that really stuck with me of really this professor taking a responsibility to kind of manage what was happening in the classroom. And even though he wasn't participating in the discussion, he wasn't just letting it happen. He was there being an active participant. I really appreciate that story so much because... I think a less experienced faculty member might say, oh, we're really having a good back and forth here, right? Like this, this conversation is, is very dynamic, but, but to take that one step removed, as, as you said, and really see the conversation, not just for the, the content that it was covering, but also for the underlying dynamics among the students in the room uh, and to step in, that's, that's really some skillful facilitation. Yeah, I definitely think it's kind of like he was witnessing it happening on two levels, like what we were saying, but then 
who is saying it, what are their identities, what's being challenged here beyond just, is this the idea that we're talking about, but really like taking a deeper look. Right. And it sounds like the the adjustment that he made was to go back to the the objectives of the class, right? And to say, like, let's let's reground ourselves in the objectives for today, the materials that we've been looking at, that kind of thing. So it's it's not just putting a kibosh on it, but redirecting um, back to the materials that were presented. Right, exactly. So we were able to go back to talking about how might social workers intervene instead of talking necessarily about people's experiences, whether or not racism showed up in healthcare, that wasn't the topic. We were able to get back to what is our role as social workers when we see these types of things happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really insightful, um, lesson to be, to be taken from there. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about the stage that you're in now, uh, as writing your dissertation, entering that independent, uh, phase of your academic journey. And, your faculty now are really serving the role as mentors. And I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about how you see the difference between a teacher and an, a mentor or an advisor. Um, what are you looking for in that role and, and how are you seeing it show up in your work now? I think definitely when I'm looking for like dissertation committee members, a chair, mentors, all of those things, I'm looking for someone who could be more of an intellectual partner. So someone who is definitely way more experienced, you know, like the, they're in this field, who's more experienced in research and teaching everything than I am, but still sees me as someone who is a mentee. I'm not just um, a student in the sense of I don't have as much experience, but the experience that I do have is valuable. I'm like a, a junior, junior colleague in the sense of what I have to say and the opinions, where I want to direct my study, those are all of value. Another thing that I'm really interested in looking at is faculty members who are excited about what I have to do and what I want to look at and just my interests. I think one thing about a teacher or when you're a student, your faculty, you want them to be excited about what they're teaching you. So if they're talking about research methods, you want them to be excited that they do qualitative work. Or if it's more of a like topic area class, you want them to be your teacher because they know a lot about this area and they're excited to help you. Whereas when I'm looking for a mentor, I want someone who's excited about my work especially because in the program, there's not a faculty member here that does exactly kind of what I'm looking at, but there are plenty of faculty members who are interested in what I have to say and who are eager to kind of see what do I have to bring to the field of social work and how I'm going to enrich like the research landscape at, you know, wherever institution I end up next and during my time here at Maryland. So I think that's a big difference is like, either way you want excited and energetic faculty, but I think as a student, I want them to to be excited and I expect them to know like what they're teaching me. As a mentor, I don't expect them to know everything about my topic area, but I do still expect them to like be excited to help me and like eager to see where I'm gonna go next. Yeah, and and bringing that relationship full circle, like you said, we're showing that continuous learning that we want um, our faculty members to demonstrate. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's one big thing too, is having faculty who are willing to say, oh, I don't know a lot about that topic. And that's okay because, you know, that's the model that we have here. We don't, as at least in the School of Social Work, you don't come in to maybe study with one particular faculty who has the same interests as you. You're able to learn from all the different faculty and what their their interests are. And so having someone who's able to say, yeah, you know what, I don't know a lot about that. This is what I do know. And I'm so excited to help, you know, bridge this gap and get you on your next step. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're studying? Yeah, so broadly my research looks at issues around weight stigma, disordered eating, and just health promotion. 
Specifically, what I'm going to be looking at in my dissertation is Black women's perceptions of specific weight-inclusive approaches to health. Um, specifically, what do Black women in the area think about the principles of weight inclusivity, which involves rejecting like a hierarchy of sizes, with some sizes being indicative of good health right off the bat, and some sizes being indicative of poor health. Um, eating for well-being, which is the idea that the way we eat is that eating enriches us in a lot of different ways, and it contributes to our health and wholeness beyond just the calories and the macronutrients, but also, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, that that all is a part of healthy eating. Um, and then the last principle is life-enhancing movement, which is similarly the idea that the way we move our bodies should not just be about restriction and burning calories, that there are a lot of ways that being active and moving in ways that we're able to, that that can enrich our well-being. So things like mental health, physical health, all that good stuff. So I'm looking at how do Black women perceive these principles and what are their thoughts about these principles being used as a foundation for health promotion and chronic disease prevention efforts. And I'm really hoping that this work will help to inform weight-inclusive approaches to chronic disease prevention for specifically Black women so we can get away from this idea that the only way to be healthy is to be a certain size and to eat this many calories and to be on the treadmill, you know, hours and hours a day towards a vision of health that really um, is aligned with what Black women in the community are thinking about health. And that is just respectful and inclusive to people of all sizes. Yeah. It's such an important conversation, and I'm so excited about the way that you're going to uh, to inform the future, not just of social work, but of of the provision of healthcare going forward. Um, so it, again, kind of going back to this idea of of being at this intersection, right? Like here you are on the the cutting edge of the cutting edge of this really exciting research, um, finishing that up, thinking about uh, the next steps. Um, I wonder if you might tell us a little bit about a role you're playing right now on campus, which is a graduate teaching assistant. Um, what are you learning from that experience about your future roles as a faculty member, the responsibilities you might have as a faculty member, and thinking about how you might bring that research to the next generation of, of social work or, or other kinds of students? Yeah, I think one thing that I've really learned is that faculty members have a responsibility to kind of think about all the things students need to learn outside of just the course material and doing their part to get them to that place. And so one specific example is about deadlines. So as a student, I tended to think that deadlines are kind of a social construct, that they're just a way for faculty to kind of have like a holdover from from this idea of that like faculty have power and students like are subordinate underneath them. So not that individual faculty feel that way, but that, you know, our academic system is oriented towards, you know, it's a power system and that deadlines are just a result of that. That's just, they've ended up um, this way. So I was thinking that, well, maybe students don't really need deadlines. Maybe it would be better to just say, these are all the activities you have to do in a semester and, you know, giving people the responsibility to do it on their own. And so that was my student perspective. Coming in as a GTA, however, I realized that a lot of students really struggled with the time management of being able to get their assignments in on time. And what they actually needed was experience having to stick to a deadline, because especially in the social work program, being able to stick to deadlines is crucial for your career success. Like if your clients need you to file a paperwork for their housing or for their court case by a certain date, you have to get that in on time. And so it's a service to make sure that students are used to deadlines and kind of feel the importance of that. Like that's a part of your career preparedness. So maybe as my experience as 
um, just in this one particular class, sure, it didn't maybe contribute. It was a past and past class. Whether or not you turned it in on this deadline or that deadline, if I was just focusing on what students needed to learn in the course in this class, maybe I would have um, tended to go towards the well, maybe we don't need a deadline. But what the faculty member that I was with really showed me is that we are we have a responsibility to students as future social workers. And so beyond this, our beyond this one class, like what are we doing to prepare this next generation? Part of that is the content. That's definitely important. But also part of it is like this professional development kind of thing. And it just really made me see just the role of like a social work faculty and the faculty in general, just in a different lens. Because before I really was thinking more about, well, what do you need to know about this content? And even how is this content going to relate to your practice? But really, how can we develop you as as social workers and really to make sure that when you graduate with your MSW and you have your stamp, you know, from this university that we're stamping on that you're, you know, like competent and qualified in all these ways beyond just social work practice, but, you know, just professional things that you need to, to do your job well. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting because I think that questioning mindset that you brought to that deadline uh, debate that you were having with yourself uh, can be really useful for a faculty member. Kind of what what is the underlying construct of this system or this rule or this structure that we have? Um, and I think questioning that can be really healthy because it, it may cause some faculty members to say, you know what, M- maybe this is more about me than them or more about me than the profession or my ego or whatever it is. But when you can, when you think about that question and you can say, actually, to be a competent professional they do need this particular skill. They do need this particular mindset. Um, and But just going through that questioning process can bring a lot of value to that instructional role. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it also pertains to writing, like kind of clear communication. I know we all can write in different ways, but kind of being so lenient on letting go of things like, you know, can I understand what you're saying? Is there organization? Are your ideas, you know, presented? If we let go of that to kind of just say, you know, I want to respect all students' writing and not really kind of teach those those kind of communication skills. I think that's another example of, well, we do want to make sure that we are holding space for people to write and communicate in different ways and understanding that in the profession, there are some kind of basic things that you'll have to communicate in writing. And so you've got to get the practice in doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. That intentionality, it seems like it comes back to that. Is there anything else about your GTA experience that you think you might carry forward into your future career? I think something in particular with this GTA is I was in, I was um, helping with the class that was all in a virtual program. It was in the evening. Most of the students had like a full-time, you know, job outside of class. And that really helped me to also see the, the student-teacher dynamic a little bit differently. I already had this idea, like I've been through a lot of education classes. I think it fits like with my philosophy Um, to reject this kind of banking model where students um, are just these empty receptacles and and teachers teach them everything and teachers have all the power and students have nothing. I already don't really endorse that perspective. But being in the GTA in this class has really helped reshape my ideas even further because I was just seeing that kind of the time that we have with our students is a privilege. They're carving out times out of their really full lives with families, with school, with, you know, people were having personal issues and they're still making the time to come two hours at night like six to eight during the weekday to spend time in our class and it really just helped me to see like the responsibility of as faculty to make sure that that time is worth it that it's worth it for you having sacrificed you know that evening with your family to be in this class and making sure that like we're not wasting time that we're using the time that we have 
to the best of our ability and that I'm like bringing my best, even as a GTA, like, have I prepared for the class? Have I done the reading? So whatever questions you have in this time can be answered. So really just kind of honoring and kind of flipping on its head that like the students need to be appreciative for us. Like we need to be appreciative for them. They came to my class and you know, like they did what they could to be prepared. So just helps me to see the, just the student teacher dynamic in another light. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great perspective to to carry with you as you go forward. So speaking of that, as you are uh, in the final stages of, of uh, doing your research and finishing your dissertation and thinking about the job market, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're hoping for in that next phase of your journey and, and how you might think of yourself as an educator going forward? I think what I'm really looking for is an academic position. I really like research. I did a whole PhD for that. Um, And so I I want a position where I am able to further my work. But I also still am interested in teaching, especially bridging in my topic to teaching. In social work education, we don't talk a lot about weight stigma, even though we do talk about like structural oppression and different forms of um, power um, and oppression and that hierarchy, all that good stuff. So we're not really talking about weight, and I would really look for a position where there is some freedom to bring in those discussions, either as a whole class or even like some flexibility in existing classes. So I know in some programs, you know, everybody has to teach, whoever's teaching maybe 101 has to teach it the same way. But I'm really looking for a position where I could bring in some readings or, you know, a module about this topic or that topic. So just kind of some intellectual freedom within the classes that I'll be teaching to kind of put my spin on things. And then, of course, the time to do my research, to put my spin on that as well. So I am um, really excited to think about you, Vashtai, in the faculty role with this perspective that you're bringing. And I am cheering for you as you enter the job market. And and I know that something wonderful uh, is going to work out and what a lucky institution uh, is going to it's going to be that that lands you as their faculty member. I wonder, just closing us out, if you might have any final reflections on um, how you are seeing yourself as an educator as you think about your own academic journey from student to GTA and now uh, entering the job market as a future faculty member? Yeah, I think something that has really stuck with me that I kind of talked about earlier is just having a responsibility to your students and really even thinking about my experience and like really admiring that faculty who took that active role in our classroom. He was an active participant. Um, to seeing how the faculty that I work with now, you know, like takes responsibility to the students for getting them to where they need to go in certain areas like professionalism and really just using that as like a guiding principle of what responsibilities do I have to my future students? How will I end up my hold up my end of the bargain? Not just how students will hold up their end by turning in their assignments and, you know, et cetera, but what do I owe the students that are, you know, in my academic care for this semester, quarter, whatever, and how can I make sure that I'm, you know, just doing what I can to fulfill my my responsibilities as the educator. Yeah, it's such a wonderful perspective. And I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to come talk with us uh, and share with us your experience in this interesting intersection uh, that you find yourself in now. And we are just cheering for you as you enter the next phase. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Moving the Needle. Visit us at umaryland.edu slash fctl to hear additional episodes, leave us feedback, or suggest future topics. We'd love to hear from you.